and the ministry begins emphasizing the gifts, well, that would be all good. But uh, you may well know that the charismatic movement has led to tremendous confusion and has left behind it a trail of controversy, of division, and of bitter disappointment. Now, some would say, well, it's better to be a charismatic than to be a Presbyterian because the Presbyterians are dead. And I suppose there would be a lot of truth about that if you were talking about the Presbyterian Church of Canada, that is the mainline historic church. If you were to go to one of their services, unless they have become charismatic, and that wouldn't surprise me, uh, the charismatic movement has infiltrated many mainline denominations, and in various churches, they have sort of taken over. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak, the ministry of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. Today we're turning to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 for our message, and I trust that it will be one that will bring you to see the reality that the Bible is God's final word. There are no new revelations. There are no new ways of discovering God's knowledge. We come to the word, and if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. But firstly, I want to just read the Psalm 15. The Psalm 15 and a few thoughts before we go to our main message today. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Here we have in Psalm 15 the new desire of the godly man, to dwell with his God. He wants to cultivate a life of dwelling with God, like the three men on the Mount of Transfiguration who wanted to remain. It is good for us to be here, they said. Let us build three tabernacles. But that was not the will of God for them. This is true of everyone who enjoys God's spirit and revival of heart. Time is forgotten in God's presence. This refers to the converted and redeemed man who is already brought into God's presence. You could not quote this to an unsaved soul. You could not say that he has a desire to dwell with God. Rather, he's like Adam running, hiding in the garden, lest God should draw near to him. And note that the terms of fellowship with God are his prerogative. David asks, and God answers. Some are afraid to ask, lest the terms are too high. God has a perfect will for the saint, that will of God that is good and perfect for him. And the Lord's Prayer includes the request, Thy will be done. This is the Christian's quest for life. And of course, we are to ensure that we seek God's will and that we do it with all our hearts. 
Now, you'll notice here in Psalm 15 and verse 2, he that walketh uprightly, there is the walk must be first. Before there can be words or worship, there must be the right walk. And so make sure that you're walking in the truth, and then you are called to worship God in truth and in spirit. The question of this psalm is, who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. You're invited to worship God when these things are in place. Thank you for being a part of our program today. Our main message is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. We're dealing today with the gifts that are given to God's people. And we're going to be dealing with these charismatic gifts that are a great confusion in many places. Thank you for being a part of our program. Stay tuned as we let the Bible speak from the pulpit of our church. We're going to be looking tonight at verses 10 and 11 of this chapter. And you'll notice that verse 10 begins, As every man hath received the gift, the gift. This week, a Calgary firm announced that they believe that they have discovered a very possible answer for diabetes. And if that is the case, after the research is done and all the testing is done, if that is the case, it will be a life changer for millions of people around the world if they can beat the devastating problem of diabetes that is a, a very growing problem in this country and in much of the world. Now, in the medical world, it would be unconscionable for a scientist or a doctor to make a discovery in the medical world and to keep it a secret. And if it was a life-changing discovery, and for their own ends and for their future gain, if they were to sit upon that knowledge and not share it with the medical world. That would be looked upon as a gross crime. It would be looked upon as absolute greed and indeed cruelty. What would you think of such a doctor or such a team that would make a discovery and then sit on it while the world is suffering? What would you think of a Christian who was given a gift by God but refused to use it? That really is our subject tonight because we learn here in 1 Peter 4, 10 that God gives gifts and they are to be put to use. And the body of the Lord's church suffers very often because Christians do not use the gift or the gifts that God has given them. Now, I wonder tonight how you have done this week. Last week, I preached on the top priority of the Christian. And we learned that from verse 8, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. We learned that that charity is the great Greek Bible word agape, of sacrificial love, the love that costs, the love that hurts, and that we went right down the line on the design of that love, the display of it, and the duties that we're to use our hospitality, 
And here in verse 10, the personal gift. Now, this word gift is the Greek word charisma. That is the term for charismatics. Now, the charismatics very much major on gifts. And you would think that that surely would be a purely good thing, because if God bestows gifts and men get excited about that, and the ministry begins emphasizing the gifts, well, that would be all good. But uh, you may well know that the charismatic movement has led to tremendous confusion and has left behind it a trail of controversy, of division, and of bitter disappointment. Now, some would say, well, it's better to be a charismatic than to be a Presbyterian, because the Presbyterians are dead. And I suppose there would be a lot of truth about that if you were talking about the Presbyterian Church of Canada, that is the mainline historic church. If you were to go to one of their services, unless they have become charismatic, and that wouldn't surprise me, uh, the charismatic movement has infiltrated many mainline denominations, and in various churches they have sort of taken over. But if you go to a typical Presbyterian church, things are rather dusty and dry. Now, I hope that you wouldn't say that by attending a free Presbyterian church. But the charismatics, they emphasize these gifts, and they make much ado about it. And if you speak to a typical charismatic, it's not long until they will be encouraging you to speak in tongues, or to get interested in the gift of healing, or come along to some service where there will be miracles, signs, and wonders. And they will make you think that you can do everything that Peter did, or everything that John the Apostle did, or even Paul, because the Charismatics believe that there are apostles in the church today who can work miracles. Now, the tendency is that as the Charismatics go overboard and enter into the whole realm of confusion, uh, if you remember a few years ago, the Toronto Blessing, uh, the uh, Rodney Howard Brown show of people rolling in the aisles and roaring like animals and the antics of these so-called Charismatics, uh, people who are biblical and godly, they tend to shy away. And they say, if that's what charisma leads to, utilizing the gifts, then we better stay away from it. But that becomes a problem as well, because we end up losing the benefit, neglecting the genuine gifts, the true godly blessings that God gives to his people in the church at every time. And so it's obvious tonight that we have our work cut out for us as we come to this subject of looking at utilizing the gift or our particular gifts that the Lord has given to us. And we want to balance. We don't want to run into the hocus-pocus strange and the fanatical of the charismatics, but we don't want to end up dead, dusty, and dry, and useless to the kingdom and work of God. And surely, if you have a heart for the Lord tonight, you would say, if God has a gift, I want it. And if God has a gift for me, I want to put it to use. 
I don't want to meet God one day and have him say to me, you buried the gift that I gave you and didn't put it to work. And so tonight we're going to look at these verses and try and get a biblical view, Peter's teaching, on the whole matter of gifts. Now, I'm going to keep it very simple tonight. I've only got two major headings. One is the bestowal of gifts, and then there is our responsibility to use the gifts. And if we follow those two headings, I think that we can get through these verses with some accuracy. Let's look at the text. Now, we're not interested in some fanatical scheme. We're looking at the Bible tonight. We want God's Word. We want biblical truth to sink into our hearts. And whatever we take away from this meeting, we want to know it is truly the teaching of the Bible. You'll notice here in verse 10, it says, as every man has received. And so you have here the bestowal of gifts. God dispenses special talents, special abilities to his people. And this is the power of grace. If you go down to the end of verse 10, you'll notice, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So we're going to be talking tonight about gifts and graces. And they are not borrowed from one another. They are the direct spiritual gifts, talents, abilities, spiritual blessings, wisdom, experience, and knowledge which God imparts to his people that we might be a body that will serve in the church. We cannot get these gifts ourselves. They do not come by nature. They do not even come by working at them. They are a gift that God gives to us by the Spirit. Now, what Peter is talking about here are the graces of a Christian, spiritual abilities. And they come, firstly, of course, by the fact that we're born again, that we are indwelt by the Spirit. We have a new nature, a new heart. You cannot speak of these gifts to the unconverted man. The unconverted man may be very wise in this world. He may be very skillful in various things in the world, but he could never run a church. In fact, if you put him into office in the church, he'll kill it, stone dead. An unconverted man in the pulpit or in office in the church would grieve the Spirit of God and bring the church to nothing. Now, There are three things about the bestowal of these gifts. Firstly, ministerially. They are given ministerially. Now, I draw that from the next clause in the early part of verse 10. It says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister. Minister. And therefore, I get my subheading that these gifts are bestowed ministerially. They are given that we may minister the same one to another. The gift is not for self. Please get that into your mind tonight. The gift is not just to tickle our experience. 
It is not for the flesh. It is not for our own aggrandizement. The gift is that we may share it, that we may minister to one another. And the spiritual bestowments uh, to each Christian is to serve our fellow believers. And it is bestowed to you that you might be a servant. Now, if you're not willing to serve God, if you're not willing to put your life on the line and call yourself a servant of God, why would you even begin to pray for gifts? But the moment that you surrender your life, and you may feel totally inadequate for the task, the moment that you lay your life on the line, on the altar of service, and say, Lord, I'm willing to serve you, God will give you the gifts and the graces to do the task. And oh, how many of God's people and God's servants have proven that down through the years. When you turn to the book of Acts, you will find that uh, the new uh, rush of Christians, they wanted to serve, they wanted to give, they had sold property, they had all things common, they wanted to utilize every asset, every talent in the work of God. Matthew Henry said, neither temporal goods nor gifts of Christians are their own property to serve the body of Christ. Now, for that reason, there are to be no Lone Ranger Christians. And I think those who come regularly here will know what I mean by that. But you might be someone here who doesn't know what I mean by that. A Lone Ranger Christian is say, well, I don't need the church, and I don't need to be in fellowship. I can be a Christian at home. I can be a Christian out of fellowship. I can go where I like. I can step out of what God commands for his church and still serve God. No, you can't, because what are you going to do with your gifts? And will God enhance your gifts and bestow grace upon you if all you're doing is living unto yourself. You see, the one who turns on the water from the great reservoir, he can turn the water off too. And I'm sure you could count many, many Christians who said, I don't need the church. They've gone on on their own. And what have they done? They've but withered up and died and done nothing for God. So many, so many in that category. And so the Holy Spirit is not for laziness. And it's not for self-serving. He is come to the man who has laid his life on the line to serve God. And the greatest thing a Christian can do is to serve. It enlarges the heart. It enlarges your faith. It enlarges your prayer life. And the more you give out, the more the Spirit of God is given in. And the more you dispense, the more blessing that you do to receive. The greatest thing that you can do with your blessings, give it away. And the more you give it away, the more God pours into your life. So it's given ministerially. Another thing you'll notice here in this verse, that these gifts are given variously. And it says, as every man has received the gift. Now, last week, you'll remember, I struggled with why this is in the definite article, uh, the gift. And uh, I'm not altogether sure I've got the answer for you. Uh, it's possible that the gift means that God gives a particular gift 
to particular Christians. Um, I know that not every Christian has all the gifts. Um, we all have strengths and weaknesses. We have things that we may excel in and other things we flop in. And God is pleased to give his gifts variously to different Christians. I uh, can't be an Apostle Paul, and you can't be a Martin Luther. And there might be some Christian hero that you read about, study about, and perhaps in some way you borrow some ideas, but you'll never be like that person. You'll never be that person because God bestows gifts variously. Over in 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll go to these passages that uh, the Charismatics love to, to quote so often. And boy, there's a lot to learn here tonight. But in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 4 through 12, the one thing we do learn, that these gifts are given to different Christians for different purposes. 1 Corinthians 12, and beginning at verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So you get the idea. And uh, we could read down all of this chapter, but you get the idea that there is a diversity, there's a, a, very, a variety of gifts given not to each person, but to various Christians. And that is their particular blessing and strength. Why? To serve the body. To serve the body. And if you go on down, say to verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And so the teaching of the chapter is that just like as in the human body, there are many parts many different organs, many different aspects to the human body. Likewise, God gives to Christians, different Christians, men, women, young people, old people, uh, new Christians as well. He gives to them various gifts that they may serve the church and be a vital part serving the head within the body. Now, here is where the charismatics fall apart. Um, am I going to apologize for getting at the charismatics tonight? Um, very reluctant to apologize on the subject. Uh, I, I have no intention of beating up every kind of form of Christian that may be in the circle of evangelicals. Nevertheless, I couldn't preach on this subject tonight in a balanced and an informative way uh, without dealing what is the greatest error on this subject that abounds all around us. Now, the problem with the charismatics is that they say something like this, that if you want to know if you're filled with the Spirit, you will speak with tongues. They make that the evidence, the mark 
of being Spirit-filled. But that doesn't fit the whole pattern of 1 Corinthians 12, because different gifts are given to different people. The other difficulty that the Charismatics have by saying that there are apostles today, there are miracles today, there are revelations today, is that the Bible teaches us that those things would cease. And if you turn at first to 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the, the chapter of charity, and this is all within context of what Peter is talking about. He's telling us to have fervent charity among ourselves. And uh, in chapter 13, verse 8, he said, charity never faileth. And so what Peter wrote uh, to the Christians is for us today. Charity never faileth. It's the gift that never fails, that never ends. It's appropriate, required in every age of the church. But, but, whether there be prophecies, they shall feel. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And he goes on to talk about the things that end and cease. And it is the conviction, by and large, of the Westminster Confession of Faith and many Reformed Bible teachers that the tongues ceased when the apostles died. The miracles of healing, the miracles of extra revelation ended when the apostles died because the New Testament was completed. And when the Bible was completed, where do we get our knowledge? If you want a word of knowledge now, where do you go? You go to the Bible. You don't need a revelation. You don't need a word from an angel or from some voice in the sky. You go to the Scriptures directly. And we're told in the Bible that this is the final word. And if we add to this word, or if we take away from this word, that that is a judgment upon us. And so the Charismatics are in trouble today. And they have said that the Reformation in the 15-1600s missed the Charismatic gifts, and only in the 20th century, uh, starting in Azusa Street, Los Angeles, 1908, when the whole phenomenon of tongue-speaking began, spread into the Pentecostal movement, and uh, later uh, what is more termed the charismatic phenomenon, that uh, the Reformers missed this. And you've had 1,800, 1,900 years of Christianity without the blessing of miracles in the church. Well, what does that tell you? That they ceased somewhere in the first century. When the apostles died, these supernatural, extraordinary miracles, revelatory gifts ended. It is called the cessation of the Charismata. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music